RT tablet, so it's the ARM version of the Windows tablet, not the uh, Intel. And it's not painfully slow. It's not like it's really laggy and hard to think that people would like to use it. But the default settings anyway that are set up on this thing means that to change rotation, you have to go into the Windows display properties, like as if you were at a Windows computer, and change the la- from landscape to portrait from a drop-down menu that's tiny Wait. finger can barely hit. So you need to go back into the regular, I guess what they're calling classic windows? Or? Yeah, and they showed some demos of Office, <laughs> and it was painful. Just watching him try and click and select items that are way too small for a target to click on. So people in the comments are like, oh, you need to go in and change the DPI so that it's set to 150 so that the targets are bigger so you can hit them. What? You need to go into these options in Office to turn on touch capabilities and all this stuff <sighs> to customize to make it so the Windows tablet actually but, doesn't suck balls for touch interface. And it's like, but that's a, that's a Grandma's demo. Grandma's not going to do that. Yeah, that, that was a demo unit. That's from the factory. Like when they said, here's a demo unit and you we're giving this to you to use, you know, Yes. Um, so here, we'll enable all the touch stuff for you, and by default on a, on a touch device, it yes. should be able to detect that and say, I will install all the touch-related things and turn on all the touch stuff and turn off all the mouse stuff. I understand that all that stuff is there. The idea of this tablet is that it's a fully-featured f- Windows tablet that is also a great touch interface. But from the factory, it's a touch interface. It doesn't come with a keyboard and mouse. Don't have that as the default way that you should be interacting with the product. Have it the yeah. opposite. And they said this is a final version of the well, Windows RT. Like this isn't I, this isn't I mean, like an early release candidate. This is the final version that's going out in stores. And that should have all been done at the factory when you put it into somebody's hands and they see that. And oh, it's maybe clunky or there has it's no. like it fades out and then fades back in or whatever. And no, like I'm completely gobsmacked by the uh, idea the, that you have to change something in a in a drop down box. The takeaway from this video was to me clear visual understanding of what the difference between desktop operating systems and consumer touch interfaces are and how good consumer touch interfaces are and for the general public how terrible mouse and keyboard-based interfaces are for new computer users. And all this garbage of submenus and resolutions and DPI and locking things from drop-downs and two different user experiences of a Metro or, sorry, Windows user experience ultra awesomeness. Just call it Metron and it'll be a lot easier. (laughs) I'm calling it Metron from now on. I don't care. But you have that experience and another experience in there and... I know that that's the selling point, that you have both of these things in one. No compromises. I, no yes. compromises. And, and that is a huge compromise. It's a compromise they, to having a good, solid user interface that is consistent 
and easy for people to learn. And this video is a perfect example of why huge geeks that want to do a lot of different stuff with their devices will talk about how great it is, but the average person, if they buy it, they will return it. looks terrible. I think what happened is that Microsoft said, well, everyone loves touch interfaces, so let's make you a touch interface that you're going to have to touch a whole goddamn lot of things in order to make it work properly. Do you, do you know what it reminds me of? It's Homer's car. (laughs) That's what Windows, their whole plan for Windows tablets is Homer's car. Let's take everything that everyone wants in a tablet and put it in one device. And it's a mess. It's a terrible, terrible mess. I'd be happy to be wrong that they can do something good that will challenge Android and iOS as a great touch interface that will have both of them bring up their game, right? This is supposed to be a replacement for Windows itself, correct? This is supposed to be the new thing. It will supersede Windows 7. And what they're doing is they're hedging their bets. They're saying, okay, well, computers might be around for a while, but, you know, this iPad thing looks pretty hot and it might be taking over in the future. So let's, let's straddle that line. Now, you get into it and you start... The first time you booted up at Johnny's, you said you're stuck in this touch interface or what used to be known as the Metro interface, which you're calling the Metreon interface. Yes, that's good too. <laughs> Copyright Sony, 1999. You get into this Metro interface, and it looks pretty. It look it works fast. Oh yeah, I really like the look of the Metroid interface. It's new. It's interesting. It looks like it it could be good. And this is what we talked about on a previous show that you can make touch interfaces that look really good and can be very useful that don't look anything like iOS. And Hell. Windows 8 is exactly that, I think. Hell, even using a mouse and keyboard, it's obviously not designed for that, but using a mouse and keyboard or a touchpad, Metro looks fine. Moving on. We move over, for whatever reason, to the, the classic, classic Windows interface. Windows desktop, yeah. yeah. And it's fine, too. It's Windows. I mean, I, I don't like Windows, but I understand how it works, and it seems to work pretty much the same way in the, in the limited amount of time I used it. It's like a regular computer with heavy air quotes around regular. Mm-hmm. My big problem was if they're pushing this Metro interface so hard that this is going to be the next big thing, I couldn't really see what it was for when I was using it. It seems to be an app platform. It seems to be Microsoft's attempt to have something like Apple has where they have a kind of a closed ecosystem app development where they have specialized applications developed for specifically really for touch interfaces, but that they can have the best of both worlds. Microsoft wants their cake and they want to eat it too. They want to have a closed, completely controlled touch-based interface, and they somehow want it to simultaneously run on a computer that you can get into the command line and run, like, terminal-based applications and and install x86 programs on it and right-click on the desktop and get into your properties and go through all these terrible, tiny right. little menus. Right, but they want not, it on the same system. I just don't know how it's going to work. they're not actually even going whole hog on that. No. I mean, their, their flagship application outside of Windows itself, Office... Yes. isn't even properly retooled to look right or work right in Metro. It's still a menu-based... Windows, icons, menu, and whatever the P stands for. Ter- programs. Uh, programs, and, and let's call it the ribbon is still there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you're right. That's one of the takeaways I got from the little interaction the guy was doing with Excel. And I've used numbers on an iPad, and it is not as fully functioning, and it doesn't do as many things as Excel does. But it does a lot of stuff, 
and it works great as a touch interface. It makes sure you're able to use all the features. You, you click on something, finger. it reacts to you. You don't have to like tap on something a dozen times to try and get it. And there's these little things that are hidden behind other things and you know, dozens of menus that you can't access. That's not in a tablet-based application for manipulating numbers. Spreadsheet application. And that is exactly what the problem is with Excel. Th- They've added a few things to make it more touch-friendly, but they haven't made a touch application. And maybe they really need to make two applications. Maybe they need to stop trying to make an application that can be run in both, and that's their problem. I'm trying to think of this from a client services perspective because I have a feeling that, God willing, I get a job here in Victoria doing uh, client services. Windows 8 is going to be one of those things that is going to come down the pipe. Now, I'm hoping it is like... Vista, in the sense that when when Vista came out, no, no, well, bear me out. Vista, I'm I'm hoping it's like Vista because what happened was XP was a venerable workhorse and it did its job for so many years, and they said, oh, but Vista, and then all these IT guys were like, yeah, let's go see how Vista works. Cool, this could be really exciting. Holy crap, that's going to be a huge pain in the ass for our, for our users. Okay, no Vista. We, we are not going to install Vista. We're going to stay on XP because everyone understands that. Let's just keep pushing XP forward. People are going to complain because they always do. And like, why can't I have Windows Vista? And we have to say because it's going to introduce a whole new set of headaches and you don't want those headaches. And then they bitch and moan about it until they tell somebody higher up. And it's like, okay, that person wants Vista. Fine, we install Vista on their machines. Yes. They use it for three months and they're like, I have to go back to XP because this is a nightmare. And we're like, yeah, thank you for making a bunch of work for us. My take on Windows 8 is that this could be another Vista-style moment for Microsoft where everyone was happy because of Windows 7. It's like, okay, Windows 7 has all the pretty stuff that was in Vista, but now it actually feels right and it kind of and it works properly and everything. And when you get people complaining about Windows 8, especially IT guys, are we going to see IT guys saying, yes, we should roll this out to everybody. We need to have this for users in corporations or for our students or for anything else? Or are we going to have more hassles with this moving back and forth between interfaces? You know, are we going to have to undertake a major training initiative mm. instead of just an update training initiative. It's like, no, now you need to know how to get back and forth between these two things. And now our call volume is going to go up. And instead, they might just say, you know what? We're going to hang this one out on Windows 7 for another two or three years. And if Windows 8 s- settles down into something that makes sense, Microsoft should have pulled an Apple and said, we're making Windows 8. And Windows 8 that runs on your desktop will look like your classic desktop. And Windows 8 that runs on your, on your tablet will look like Metron. And yep. that's what you get. Oh, They're or- both Windows 8 underneath, so they'll both run similar applications. But desktop applications that use mice and stuff like that will run like this, and tablet applications will run like that. That, that would be an interesting way to go. The other thing is that from all that I've read, Windows 8 doesn't have anything compelling for institutions like mine. Like there's no killer feature in it that people are going to be clamoring for that is going to drive adoption of it. The so, one thing that it will have is eye candy. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. But uh, and, only if, but that but, doesn't drive adoption in, in educational institutions very much. And like, it's only... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it depends on how strict your Dr. No is in the IT department, right? Ha- having worked in an educational institution and having encountered profs 
and the deans of the business administration school where they're like, well, we have to teach the new product because everyone's moving to it. And we were saying to them, no one is moving to this new product. In fact, it has the lowest uptake that everybody else. They're like, lies. We have to have Windows 8 or we have to, in this case, Windows Vista running on everything. We have to have the newest version of Office running on everything because we have to teach that. And it's like, no one is moving to these things. Please don't force us to do this. It's like, no, you will do it because we are going to be teaching this stuff and we have to show that we're relevant and up to date. If you want to show that you're relevant, then teach what people are using. Don't teach what the next generation of products is because you're just going to confuse people who get into the industry and find out. And we had a go-round about this for months until we finally said, fine, we will install Vista and the newest version of whatever Office was at the time, 2007, I think it was. We will install that stuff on one lab, and then we will install it on your PCs. And then people come back and say, that was a terrible idea. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> no, we tried to tell you several times. You're sticking with that. Because you wanted it so bad, and if you say you don't want it now, we're going to have to admit to your bosses that you screwed up. We've pretty much stayed with XP in 2012. We're still using an operating system that came out. What year did XP come out? 2002? Yeah. We're using a decade-old operating system still because there is nothing compelling to switch to newer versions. We will eventually, of course, have to. They'll get to a point... And Microsoft is kind of like, in many ways, I think they're spoiling their children. You know, they're enabling people to continuously run old versions of their operating system. They continue support for a long time. They're always about backwards compatibility to the point of creating huge messes of their, their software. If you look at like the huge amount of lines of code in Windows, it's ridiculous, right? Like they just keep on, they don't actually remove stuff when they have a new version. They just add more stuff to it. They never add something that's really compelling for our institutions to upgrade. We're offering this brand new service that's going to be really good for you, and but you can't have it unless you have the new operating system. Because yeah. you know what? Institutions like us, we pay them the same whether we upgrade our operating systems or not. They're actually, so they don't, I don't think they care whether or not we upgrade or not that much because they get the same amount of money from us no matter what. Absolutely. With Apple. When Snow Leopard came out and they said, hey, guess what? <laughs> Power PCs were done. Thanks, yeah. thanks, guys. You were great for many years. But Snow Leopard, Intel only. And everyone's like, what? And they're like, well, we got, we've always been about making cuts with the past. And people have agreed with that or haven't agreed with that. But now we're really making a cut with the past. We're saying, you are done. And we do not actual, want you going forward with, with anything else. And there's actual user benefits to that kind of seemingly cutthroat mentality. You cut support for legacy stuff from your operating system, your developers don't have to have to deal with all that old legacy crap as well. doesn't mean that all of your old applications stop working either. No. I think one of the things that Apple does exceptionally well is that idea of moving things forward. And some people accuse them of leaving their customers. In but lurch, yeah. Only in comparison to Microsoft's enabling behavior that allows for a huge amount of legacy mess that makes everyone in IT's jobs harder, makes customers' life harder, makes developers' lives hard, harder. You can't move on to the next great cool technology if you're constantly stuck in the past. And to a certain extent, I think Microsoft has had this ability to say this is what makes us different. And I don't think they've really capitalized on this, but I think that's a little bit something in the IT field anyway where it's like Microsoft has this stuff and they're all about backwards compatibility and Apple's always – they want you to buy the newest, greatest thing all the time. But it's not always a good thing for IT and in many cases it's actually worse and it's prevented us from moving forward in general in IT. And I think Microsoft really needs to say, you know what? This is the thing that we're going to do. 
have some confidence in their ability to predict what they're going to do and just do it. And I'm really disappointed in Windows 8 because when I heard about Metro, I thought they were doing that. I thought they were saying, Windows 8, this is going to be new. It's going to be a whole bunch of new code. We're going to dump a whole bunch of legacy garbage. The way that you interact with the operating system is going to be totally new and interesting and different. And this is the way we think people are going to interact with their computers now. And if Come you join us in the future. If you don't want to do it, you can stay with Windows 7. Come join us in the future. And I really thought that's what Microsoft was doing. And then they had that announcement and they showed their tablet and they're like, you can have everything all in one thing. And, and I was like, oh, this is probably going to be bad. And now that I've seen the video of how it actually works, yeah. So, Microsoft's a, a mess. They're a rudderless mess and they really need to, to change leadership and actually – well, they need leadership. And leadership means saying no to stuff and it means saying join us in the future. So I think I can sum up here finally what, what our thoughts on Windows 8 are. Microsoft wants to have their cake and eat it too, but yet they haven't actually provided tablet users with a good reason to switch over. They haven't provided regular users a good reason to switch to their new operating system. They haven't given any compelling reasons for institutions to move over to this new system. And they certainly haven't given anything for power users to move over to this new system. And developers. That's another important... They haven't given any really cool, exciting reasons for developers to move over to the new system. Other than a Windows Store, which they seem to have been doing pretty good with without up to this point. And by having the Windows Store and all the other stuff still, they're really basically saying that you could use this, but you don't really have to, so why bother? To be brutally honest, if you really just want to run operating systems on old computers anyway, you're probably running Linux. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, (laughs) we have been the most powerful men in Canada giving our opinions on Windows 8. This has been me, Ian Horner. And this is me, Johnny Blakeborough. And I am running 300 megs of updates when we're done this podcast. I'm Brendan Beach-Deary. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. The most powerful men in Canada would love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at toptech.tiltyhouse.com if you have any comments or if there are any subjects you'd like us to cover in a future show.